Listener Production. Hi, the person you have called is not available. Please leave a short 10-second message after the tone for... The Howie Games Hotline. Yes, welcome along to the inaugural Howie Games Hotline. Right off the top, not sure how this is going to go. If it's brilliant... It was my idea. If it's not, it was Darcy's idea. He's in the Howie Hotline studio with me. Uh, you ready to go, my friend? I am, Pekka. How are you? I'm fantastic. All right, before we get into this, thank you to everyone for sending through all their audio messages, questions, comments. We don't care what they are. Just send them through. If you've missed the number, it is in the show notes, but it is 0434-HOWIE01. That's 0434-694-301. Just a quick note, Darcy. A lot of people have been sending me text messages. Yes. Does not help the situation. That's a no-go. That don't is text. a no-go. Do not text. No. Send through your audio message, WhatsApp it, send it via email, leave a voice message on the number, but don't text us because we can't play it in the show. Again, thanks to everybody that has sent them through so far. I turn on the hotline every two days and beep, beep, beep. I get excited when we get messages. All right, Darcy, let's roll into the hotline on debut. Okay, here we go. First one up is Kate. Hi, Howie. My name is Kate and I may just be your most remote listener. Hmm. I live on a little island called Ischia in the Bay of Naples in the south of Italy. My friend Elena visited me last year and she recommended your podcast. My favourite episodes are the Campbell sisters, Lydia Lassala, Anna Mears, Shane Warne and Craig Bellamy. I'd love to listen to Wayne Bennett if you could twist his arm. Many thanks for offering listener interaction with you. Ciao, ciao. Oh, good on Naples. you, Kate. Well done. Somewhere in Italy. Um, I appreciate that you're listening there. I appreciate your friend for recommending the show to you. Okay, Wayne Bennett. There's stories and there's stories, Das. I've tried to get Wayne Bennett on the show previously. Uh-huh. Through one of my bosses, I have many. I won't name him, but he said, don't worry, we'll get Wayne on. He texted Wayne and Wayne said, thanks, but no thanks, Kate. That was about eight months ago. Oh. So we're normally pretty good with a strike rate, but I've yeah. tried to get Wayne and I will try again for you, Kate. But I'm stoked you're listening in Italy. Please spread the word to our Italian brothers and sisters about the show. Good on you, Kate. Hey, it's Damo from Brisbane in Queensland. Just want to say I love the uh, Howie James. You're doing such a good job, mate. Jeez. How hard is it to get some of the kids that you get on the show uh, to get involved and um, how easy is it to get others as well? Thanks, Howie. Good on you, Damo. Appreciate it. Damo left a voice message, obviously. Darcy is a little bit aware of this. Some of them are simple. Some of them you literally just send them a text and ask them. Like the people that I work with, like Gilly or Ricky Ponting or even Warney, pretty easy. Others have been long extended situations. Grant Hackett probably took, he had a lot going on in his life and listen to that episode because it's a great episode. That probably took a year and a half. The longest one though has been Adam Scott. That was a three-year operation. Started with one manager and we didn't have much success for 2.7 years and then he got a new manager who was a lot more open to things like this. Um, But it's not Scotty. It's often not the guest because obviously when it's a real high-profile person, Damo, you don't actually get to them. You get through their management team. So eventually after three years, I got an email from the manager saying, Scotty is ready to go and I was absolutely pumped. So I know you guys listen to it every week and say, oh, wow, that's a good guess. But, yeah, there's a fair bit of work involved. Is that most of it, Howie, the managers elongating the process or is it people 
aren't so confident in the show and then you get back to them a little while later with an increase in, you know, you can say we've done 100 episodes now. Or Yeah, it certainly helps. Also, the guest list, it's a bit like you've got this guest list and it almost is proof in the pudding. So Adam's manager looks at it and thinks, oh, he's had some pretty good guys on and this bloke mustn't be an absolute clown, so we'll eventually give him a go. But it takes a while, Damo, but I appreciate your question. Hey, Howie. Absolutely love the pod and I thank you uh, for helping a lot of us get through lockdown. Um, certainly listening to your pod during all the runs and walks I've been on helps a lot. Um, I love the insight into all your interviewees and their mentality and psyche to become you know, superstars of their own sports and chosen sports. When you started the pod, did you have this sort of vision for the content you'd, uh, you'd produce or has it sort of altered over the course of the 100 plus episodes you've done? That was Sean via WhatsApp and you can hear if you're sending us messages through the WhatsApp or text oh, message yeah. record on the phone, Dash, you're the audio guru, you'll love that. Good question, Shawnee, and I'm pumped it's getting you through ISO. We're still in ISO down here in Victoria, so a lot of people are listening to podcasts. So the idea originally was, Shawnee, to put out a really positive podcast that would highlight people's stories and talk about the difficult times as well, but talk it through in a really, really positive, happy, inspiring light because I've worked in media for quite a while now and there is a lot of negativity in the modern media, which I think becomes a little bit draining after a while. So the idea always was to make it really positive, really informative, and also, I guess, Sean, show that even these elite people that we all look up to and think, wow, they're amazing. They've had difficult times as well. And I think that's a really important message that if you and me, Shawnee, as an average person on the street can realise that person X has had their troubles but have worked hard to overcome them, I reckon that's a really valuable message. So that's been the basic uh, genesis of the show, but it sort of has changed over time, but that's sort of generally where we try to head. Kelly Hughes from Newcastle. Love the Howie James. It's a great podcast. My question is, can you please get on Roger Ferrer, the greatest tennis player of all? Thanks, mate. Bye. Happy New Year. It's not, um, as we've discussed, Darcy, it's not just a matter of clicking your fingers, but I'll try and give you some indication of how it works because I've been trying to get Roger Federer. I've been trying to get Roger Federer on the show. So Adam Scott came to us via his manager and a company called Uniqlo, who are a clothing company. Now, Das Uniqlo have got two global ambassadors. Uh-huh. One is Adam Scott, and the, the other second is Roger Federer. And that's that's to be honest, guys, that's often the way it works. So you you do a reasonable, hopefully a good job with Adam Scott, and they really enjoyed it. Uniqlo, the sponsors, really enjoyed it. So they've now put that to Roger's team over there in Switzerland. I'm not exactly convinced Roger himself has gone and listened to it. But certainly now Uniqlo is an international brand, realized that it's a really positive product. We told Adam's story in a nice, warm interesting light. And as I say, it comes back to being positive. So hopefully Roger's people feel that love coming through. Uniqlo get hold of them and maybe the Australian Open next year were a chance to have a chat with Roger if there is an Australian Open. So, (laughs) But I'm hanging in there. We'll get Roger at some stage, but it might take a while. Hi, Howie. I'm Paige and I'm nine years old. I live in New Zealand. (laughs) I play netball, soccer and tennis. My dad calls me Popsicle, but I don't think that nickname is as good as the pickle and the big penguin. (laughs) Anyway, my dad has a question for you that he wanted me to ask you. Do the pickle and the big penguin really ask their own questions, or do you use them for their cuteness like my dad is doing right now? Well, firstly, Paige, (laughs) Popsicle, very cute. Very, very cute, that Darcy. And g'day uh, to Paige and Dad in New Zealand. Uh, Well, it started about four years ago. So the big penguin was only four and the pickle was five and a half. So if you go back and listen, I was doing it the other day, 
for me personally, we're really lucky because we've got a really good family history, the kids. But at the start, I needed to really brief them. I can still remember them trying to say Ange Postacoglu, and they had about 37 cracks <laughs> at it. Darcy will find that for you somewhere. Mr. So at the start page, I really had to help them, but now they're really, really confident and they fire in their own questions. So it is their own work. We massage it a little bit. Sky the Pickles questions are very, very straight and acceptable. The big penguin needs to be edited occasionally. He's tried to ask some real, real loose questions that haven't got past the censor at various stages. But, yeah, Paige, it is the kids, um, and I get a lot more feedback that people enjoy them more on the show than they enjoy me. And now they're saying to me they want five bucks a question, which oh, wow. is sort of a real pocket money raise. And how do they come up with the questions? Obviously, some of the sports stars they know, but others they might not because they're uh – a little bit before their time. Do you show them clips on YouTube or YouTube, you explain YouTube, it to them? YouTube. Yeah. Well, Mark Philippoussis is coming up shortly and my daughter knew him as being on The Masked Singer. She didn't even know he was a tennis player. So it crosses <laughs> generations. But, yeah, YouTube's a wonderful thing. I'm trying to think. The Big Penguin. <laughs> we had Garrett McNamara on The Big Wave Surfer and I don't still have the question, but The Big Penguin page went off script and wanted to ask Oh, Garrett. Sorry to all the kids listening. <laughs> He's only seven at this stage. He wanted to ask Garrett how big a nuts you need to have to surf 100-foot waves. And that, that one didn't pass muster, Dar, so we had to edit that one, I think. Howie, Dave, what my big question is, dead or alive, which is one person on the planet you would have loved or would love to interview? Stay well, my friends. The pickle and um, penguin, stay well as well. Good on you, Dave. Appreciate your question. Uh, that's sort of becoming the player profile. It's almost like to ask that, you know, who's the three people you'd love to have at dinner question yep. that is on the player profile. If I had to choose someone, we've just done an episode with Steve Smith. I hope you guys have listened to it. And I found it fascinating to talk to him about batting. Uh, on the spot, I would probably say Sir Donald Bradman. Obviously no longer with us. Can you imagine sitting down with a bloke mm. that averaged 99.94 in test cricket and just explore with him? about his attitude and his mental approach and what was it like when Larwood was bowling short to him at body line and how he continued to go with that consistency, how he felt when he walked off after his last test match making a duck. I think it would be um, – yeah, Bradman would be brilliant. Oh, on the on the topic of Bradman, mate, one of my great rec- regrets, when the podcast first started, it was early doors. We recorded quite a few episodes. I was in the West Indies doing the Caribbean Premier League. So there's episodes, you'll see them there with Brad Hodge, Damian Martin, Darren Sammy, they were all recorded in the West Indies. And I recorded one with a guy called Mike Hazeman, who was an up-and-coming cricketer for Australia, Das, who was meant to be the next big thing, eventually went on a rebel tour to South Africa. Now he's one of the world's elite cricket commentators. I lost the file. I don't know how. So it's the one where I've lost the file and it's never got to air. But I remember, and this is why I'm spewing about it, talking about Bradman, I remember him telling me a story. He grew up playing in South Australia in Adelaide and Bradman might have been either on the board of the Sacker or chairman of selectors at the time. And Hazy was the next big thing. And he was going to play really good cricket for Australia. And he was a, he was a wonderful, wonderful cricketer, Mike. And as I said, a brilliant commentator now. And, and a tremendous man to, to go on tour with commentary in. But Bradman used to write him handwritten notes about his batting. 
Oh, wow. And leave them in the chain room. So when Hazy had come off after an innings, the Don would have written him a message saying, you know, you know, never play square of the wicket before you scored 10 or keep your front arm up on your cover drive. So this is real historical notes mm. from Dodd Bradman. Hasn't still got them. Hazy lost all the notes. He just didn't understand the significance of who was delivering the message to him as a young bloke. They were just handwritten scraps. So I lost the Hazy podcast and (laughs) Hazy lost the Bradman notes. So I'd love to get Bradman on. I'd love to find that podcast with Hazy too. It's got to be there somewhere, but I think I might have deleted it somehow. I was a flat on it. On on that Howie accidentally deleting the Mm. can't find the file anymore, Mm. have you ever forgot to press record on an interview? Yes, as you know. Yeah. (laughs) As you know, various times. But we've got that many backups on Zoom now. (laughs) It's happened a few times, but we've had enough backups to cover it. Um, Even with Mark Philippoussis the other day, when you'll find out when you get in the edit suite, I didn't hit record my end on his player profile. So I've had to use the Zoom part of that. But I've never... Hazy's is the only complete file I've ever lost. Yeah, right. Because there was that one that you and I did where I forgot to press record. Yes. For the entire voiceover. Who was that? Oh, yeah, that we were, yeah, we were was, recording an yeah. ad and I gave it my number one shot and then old Darcy's like, oh, yeah, didn't record on that one. The audio guy uh, had one job. Yeah, one, one job. job. One job. Hey, Mark, my name's Dylan and I'm from Victoria. Do you think Hawthorne could win a grand final with this list or do you think they would have to rebuild? Love the show, thanks. Thanks, Dill. We're recording this the day after Hawthorne v Essendon as well. And the Hawks are up by six goals at half time. So at six o'clock last night, Dill, I would have said, don't worry about it. It's golden. It is golden. We're sitting among the flowers. The next premiership's there. Uh, At the end of the game, after we got beaten by two goals and Joe Danaher tore us apart, I think, mate, I love your question. I think as a Hawthorne supporter, Dill, you're obviously a young bloke. You've seen a lot of premierships. Like my kids are under 10 and they've seen four premierships each. So I think we've got to take the good with the bad. At the moment, it's not at our best. So, yeah, I think we need to rebuild, mate. We've got young Will Day. We haven't. He's our highest draft pick since Cyril. I think we need to go back to the draft, get some young players in there. But don't give up hope, mate. I look at the Saints, Das. Mm. They picked up five players over the offseason through the trade and they've become a way better team. So I think we need to restructure a bit. But, mate, we'll be right. We'll be right, Dill. Stick with it. Howie, Darren from Brisbane. Um, love the podcast and love the work that you do. And my two most favourite um, um, podcasts that you've done have been Andrew Bogart and Greg Norman. Really enjoyed listening to those ones. Uh, pick up the good work. Oh, that's just a bit of positive feedback. Oh, thanks, Darren. Thanks, Daz. Uh, Bogey calls it how he is. Norman is the only one we've ever done by phone mm. because he was in Florida and that was pre-Zoom. So I'd love to do one with Greg in person. Most intimidating sportsman I've ever met, Greg Norman. Really? Most intimidating sportsman because he looks you in the eye. He's got those piercing blue eyes. He's done everything on the golf course. He's a massively successful businessman. Of the two people I've ever met through work, Greg Norman and John Travolta, who I met at the Grand Prix years ago, they walk into a room and you know they're in the room. So I'd love to do one in person with the shark at some stage. But, yeah, yeah, lovely man, but a very, very, very big personality. And uh, I was a little bit in awe and a little bit shaky with the shark. Okay. Then when do you bring up when you say – what was up with when you collapsed at the Masters? Well, Dash, you don't he's just say, you don't <laughs> He's just, staring at you. You sort of work up to these things. You know, <laughs> you were flying, you'd won the British Open, and then we get to the Masters. When you get home that night, do you have a beer and say, oh, well, do you wrap a golf club around a tree? Do you have tears in your eyes? What's your emotion, mate? I would say I'm very good with my friends and family where I don't want to show my hurt to them because it, to me it's just a game. Mm. 
Um, and it's important for them to realize that, okay, I've taken it on the chin, I've accepted it, you know, let's move on. But at the same time, I think it's also important for you, the individual like me, uh, to express to myself the, the, the hurt. Um, and that's why I do it on my own. I just took a couple of beers, went down the beach, sat down and, and shed a tear. You don't just go with a knockout blow guru. That's why you're in charge of audio and pressing <laughs> yeah. the buttons, I think. Jesus, subtlety of a sledgehammer, my man. Hi, Howie. My name is Harry. Harry. And I'm an 11-year-old boy from Wagga. My family and I are big fans of the Howie games. You, For my year six assignment, we got to choose anything we wanted to do during the term. Mm-hmm. For example, some are building dollhouses. Mm. Some are doing online surveys. I wasn't sure, but because I like sports so much, I decided to use the Howie Games as an inspiration. Huh. I was going to call it the Harry Games, <laughs> but decided on Harry Sporting Reporting. I like it. I know you're a busy man, but if you had time, I would love to interview you for 10 minutes on my podcast. I would like to find out what makes a great podcaster and how you get the most out of the athletes. I've also attached my interview with Chris Mortimer as I would love to hear what you think. Thanks, Howie. Well, firstly, Harry, great question. I love Harry's sporting reporting. Um, at this stage, we need to play a bit of his work with Chris Mortimer. Yes. Rugby league, great. So we'll put a bit of that in right now. Chris, I've been wondering about your backyard footy games. My brothers and I played backyard footy, and to be honest, it usually ends in tears. <laughs> What was it like? <laughs> That's exactly right, mate. Um, Harry, yes, mate, I'm not that busy. <laughs> Let's be completely honest, mate. <laughs> I can wind back on the surfing a little bit or in the nets with a big penguin. I reckon I've got 10 minutes for you, mate. I'd love to come on Harry's Sporting Reporting. We'll have a chat there about podcasts. I think the key is to listen, though, Harry. It is not, as the host of the podcast, I always try and not make it about me. I don't think people are tuning in to listen to me, to be completely honest, which is why I don't know how this hotline's going to go to us. But I think people are tuning in to listen to the guests. So the first piece of advice I would give you or anyone doing a podcast is make it all about the guests. Say as little as you possibly can. Listen to what they are saying and then respond to their answers. Don't have a question and answer sheet written down because you'll lose the flow of what you're trying to do. You're just trying to be like two people having a having a chat over a cup of tea and, you, and you're being a really good listener. I reckon that's the key. But I look forward to coming on your show, Harry. Good on you, mate. Thanks for right. your call. Well, Harry, we'll get in touch with you. Yeah, we will. Get, we'll get hold of Harry. Howie, big man. It's uh, Aaron from uh, Brisbane. I was just checking in. I remember a year or so ago you promised um, we'd be able to get Craig Alexander uh, or Crowey. The Iron Man on the show <laughs> did, Aaron, for your podcast. I was just wondering if we'd be able to get him hooked up and 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 have the uh, interview with him. Really enjoy the show, and uh, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. As ah, mate. I've dropped the ball there. <laughs> I remember. Um, that's why we tried to start doing the Howie Hotline because we get that many messages yeah. on social media yeah. with people giving these comments or suggesting guests. So I, I do read them all and I try and respond to them all as well because it's um, it fills me with joy, people getting in touch to talk about the show positively. Yes, we'll get hold of Crowey. I've yep. got his details. I've never done a triathlete, but I know a lot of guys and girls listen when they're training for triathlon. So we'll get uh, the great Crowey on and, and have a chat about what it is like when you're absolutely hanging out and you've got nothing left in the tank, how you keep going. If you're into triathlons, listen to Cadell Evans, by the way, because he talks about his heart rate being above 180 for over an hour and you just got to keep pushing yourself, which is one of the more extraordinary things I heard on the show. I had a great ability as a rider to sit at my limit and 
in the red, so to speak, above threshold for long periods of time. And um, Okay, so what's a long period? Is it a minute, a half an um, hour, is it? Hour, hour and a half. An hour. <laughs> for the entire maximum. climb, for the entire climb or two climbs. <gasps> we'll get Crowey on. Sorry, Azza, I'm on it. I'm All on right. the case. Watch this space. Yep. Hello, Howie. It's Fletch from Melbourne. I was just wondering as an aspiring AFL commentator, what tips do you have for me to become a commentator? Uh, that would be great to know. I love this show. Bye for now. It's nice to get a bit of positive feedback in this mm. tough time. Yeah, this is nice. Well, this is what I talk about. Modern media, if we open it up on the radio or social media, you get smashed. So yeah. it's it's nice to get a bit it's of It's nice positive. as well when you can vet the questions yeah, beforehand, like, isn't it? Well, no. If you've got some negative gear, send it through and I'll show people what exactly occurs. Um, mate, great question. Uh, as an aspiring sports commentator, the first thing would be is to have fun. Uh, my sister is an emergency doctor. That's a serious job. That's a job you need to be serious at. What we are trying to do in sport, whether it be footy or, or cricket or anything else I've had the privilege of commentating, is just provide a bit of entertainment for the audience. So have fun would be my number one tip alongside be prepared. Know who the players are because you might not be like – I go to work commentating now. I've started doing it on the telly, and I'm not as good an AFL commentator, for example, as Anthony Hudson or Dwayne Russell or Eddie Maguire, or on the radio I commentate. I'm not as good as James Brasher or Brian Taylor, but one thing I, I can't control that. I can try and work to get better at it, but one thing I can control is to know the subject, I think, mate. So you can do all the work in the world to know every single player. So that's one thing you can control. Control the controllables, have fun, know your players, and just enjoy yourself, mate. Walk in with a smile on your face. And when you get things wrong, Dars, which I do frequently, I used to really dwell on them. No point dwelling on it. It's You haven't broken any law. You're doing your best. Ignore your social media for a week or two <laughs> and just worry about the next call, I reckon. And as you said, you started this year doing AFL on the TV. Mm. What's the biggest difference between commentating on the radio and commentating on the tally? Yeah, it's a good question. On the radio, you need to describe everything you're seeing. So uh, Impey's in the back pocket. He massages a left foot ball to Gunston. Gunston's moving through centre-half back. The Hawks in possession. They go through the centre, still two kicks from home. You need to say where the ball is. You need to constantly say what the score is. Whereas on the telly, you're almost adding an interpretation of what you're seeing. So that's a good kick or that's a clever kick. Or now this is an important contest. Or they go deep. Who's in the one-on-one? So you're more describing what is going on exactly on the radio, whereas the telly's a little bit more general. I reckon there's a, a real a real chance in the telly to say a lot less, and I've never, ever, ever got any feedback saying, we need you to talk more on commentary. <laughs> so I reckon that's good advice too. When you don't need to say anything, don't say anything. G'day, Howie. Uh, loving the show, mate. I've got a few questions for you. I'm interested in what your preparation process for any interview with an athlete is be that a podcast, TV, radio, or other. And do you craft full questions, use dot points, or watch your style? Thanks. Who's that from, Dart? Uh, That's from Matthew, I believe his name was, in Adelaide. G'day, Maddie in Adelaide. Do we get good questions? This is a bit of questions than I thought we'd get. Um, great question, mate. Appreciate it, Maddie. Appreciate your support of the show. As far as the podcast goes, my number one stop is someone has a book. Often people are coming on the show to promote their book. I start with the thought that if... Steve Smith or Mark Philippoussis or Greg Norman or Mark Webber or Andrew Bogart or Luke Longley is giving up an hour and a half of their time, the least I can do is be prepared. I think that would be disrespectful to not really know their full story. So immediately I read their book, but I'm pretty good. Mate, I've read that many sports books. I can probably read a 
you know, a 300 page book in two hours now, now because I know what I'm looking for. I do a lot of research online, reading a lot about the person. And I also look at a lot of video clips because you'll notice in the show, we use a lot of audio. So if uh, Steve Smith's made his maiden test hundred and I can't find it on YouTube, I might not ask him about it. Whereas if I've got the grab there that I can use, it makes it relevant to talk about. So, but what I try and do is condense all that information, maybe four or five, six hours preparing, depends how well I know the person. Like Steve Smith, I've seen a lot of him and I know a fair bit about him. So you don't need to prepare as much. Someone like Mark Philippoussis, which is coming up uh, this week, I've never met him before. So you've got to do a lot of research. But what I try and do, mate, is distill all that onto one piece of paper, just one A4 piece of paper and have it written out. But I'm I'm reasonably lucky that once I read something, I retain it. So it's all written out on one piece of paper, but then I try not to refer it. If, if I'm going to talk about a specific moment like the 2004 Davis Cup final, I'll have that written down, but it's basically just information that floats around in my head to use when I need it. But then I try and throw that information out the window and just, as I said earlier on, really listen to what the person's saying and react from there. But it's good to know and people know immediately when you know stuff about their career that they are a lot more open when they realise that you've done the research to find out a bit about them, I reckon. And people might have uh, heard this year because of coronavirus, we've been doing some more over Zoom yeah. um, as opposed to you sitting in the room with them. How much of a difference is that in the quality of the conversation or being able to read their body language? We talked about it originally a lot, didn't we? And, and we've got various ways to try and make the audio better. It was enormous at the start and the show's biggest supporter and uh, its biggest critic is my beautiful wife, Erica. And after the first couple, she said, mm, I don't know, I don't think it's working over Zoom. Um, and I tried to change the approach a little bit because, yeah, you don't have any of that nonverbal uh, contact and you can't be open with your arms or put, sort of almost raise your arm when you're going to chat with someone or when you're going to ask them a question. So there's pauses. But I think we've got around it now and I think, it's still way better to do it in person, mate, mm -hmm. but we wouldn't have got Dan Ricardo. We wouldn't have got Martin Brundle. We wouldn't have got Michael Holding. We wouldn't have got these international operators on the show because previously, as you know, they had to sit here with us in the studio in South Melbourne. So I reckon the quality of the interview probably drops 5 to 10%, to be completely honest with you. Yep. Uh, that's what we're here for. It probably drops 10%, but the, the standard and the level of guests we can get is probably up 400%. So I think sure. it's probably a winner overall. Yep. Okay, well, you mentioned Mrs. Howie before. Yes. Uh, this one's from Mitch in Albury. <laughs> hey, Howie, Mitch from Albury. Uh, absolutely love the podcast. Great job. I think it'd be great to hear from Mrs. Howie, <laughs> get a bit of an insight into how the guru that is Howie goes about things. Um, bit of an insight in what goes through the, the big guy's mind. Cheers, mate. Bye. I don't think much goes through the big guy's <laughs> mind. Thanks, Mitch. I think Mitch was actually the first message we got through. He was. And I immediately sent it to him saying, hey, the hotline's away. We've got a live one. So please continue to send your messages through. Um, Mitch, appreciate the question. You'd have to ask the beautiful Erica that, and she is very microphone and camera shy. So I can't really help you with that one except to say she's a big supporter of the show, but if she doesn't like an episode, she immediately tells me. Does she listen to everyone after She listens to everyone, everyone. Yep. She has to ride the ups and downs when I come out and say, oh, I didn't do a very good job of that, or oh, I'm not sure how that one went, or if it's a good one, like the scud, and I say, oh, I know, I bite her ear off for eight hours telling her about how good the scud was. I think she gets a bit over it. Do you immediately know after an interview whether it's been a, a real corker yep. or whether it's been a bit flat? Yep. But if, if it, I always look at it that if it's a little bit flat, it's me, not the guest. I haven't asked the right questions. It's a classic case with Mundine. 
I thought I'd be able to get a lot more out of Mundine. A lot of people said, oh, it wasn't a very good episode. He wasn't very good. I don't look at it like that. I look at it the fact that I wasn't very good and didn't ask him the right questions. So if you listen to the Mundine episode, I think I say at the start, I probably wasn't able to connect with him as much as I thought I would. So I reckon that's always down to me, not not the guest. The yeah, guests right. are all bloody fantastic. Hey, Howie. My name's Riley. I'm from Sydney. My question for the Howie Hotline is, who was the hardest person to get on the Howie Games? Hey, Riley in Sydney. I'm stoked you're listening. I'm stoked that a lot of young people listen with their families. That's really, really cool. Kelly Slater is yep. the answer to your question, Riley, and you can search back and see where he was on, and the simple answer is he hasn't been on. The great Trevor Hendy put me on to him three years ago. Uh, I'm pumped. I'm that excited that I've got Kelly Slater's number in my phone, but uh, we've texted each other a couple of times, and typically surfing has got in the way. Um, yeah, right. No disrespect to Kelly because he's a star and he's got a lot on his plate, but... It'll happen at some stage, Riley, but so far he has been the most difficult. For those people out there who are maybe trying to get guests on their own podcast, Mm. what's an acceptable amount of time to hit them up again if they don't respond to you or they, you know, say maybe not now is the right time? I reckon twice and then you leave it be because I've always had a theory that if the person needs to be in the position where you're having to pester them to come on the show. It's always meant to be a really positive experience for the guest. So if they feel that you're badgering them and they just come on it to get rid of you, you're probably not going to get the end result. So I reckon a couple of times, unless it's Kelly, when I reckon probably 48 times Mm. is about where we should stop. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And have you ever had many people reach out saying they want to come on the show? Uh, It happens. It happens more and more, especially through publicity agents. We might go into that again at some other stage. Well, that's it for our hotline questions. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, for everyone, for hitting us up on the voicemail and also WhatsApp. Don't text. No, don't text. 0434 That's 043-Howie01. Text it through to us, WhatsApp it, leave a voice message. Just don't send an actual text with the questions because we can't answer it. But uh, appreciate everybody who's sending their questions and hopefully now you guys get an idea of what this is all about. Send any question, even if it's a repeat question. We'll try and answer them and hopefully you guys have enjoyed this part of the show. All right, thanks, guys. Peace and love. To replay, press 7. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Listener.